0: Hello, what you're about to hear is a reprise of a podcast originally recorded in August of 2022. It featured a conversation with two people closely following or advocating for Michigan to adopt laws similar to those in several other states that allow for the use of automated enforcement of speeding laws in work zones. In other words, segments of roads where construction work is being done. That bill has been reintroduced, House Bill 4132, with bipartisan sponsors and should get hearings very soon in the legislature. So the conversations from August and the previous legislature seem relevant now. Hello, and welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Cranston. Since the pandemic began nearly two and a half years ago, we've spoken frequently on the podcast about a surge in speeding on Michigan roads and those across the country. That surge seemed to be sparked by fewer vehicles being on the roads and reduced congestion with that. One area of special concern is speeding in work zones, where men and women toil every day to build and repair those roads to ultimately make our travel smoother and more efficient. According to the World Health Organization, speed is at the core of a global road injury epidemic. Studies estimate that over 1.2 million people die each year on the roads worldwide, and 20 to 15 million suffer non-fatal injuries. Specific to the issue of speeding in work zones, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration Says speeding contributed to 37% of the fatal crashes in work zones. So that brings us to the issue of automated traffic enforcement and a bill in the Michigan legislature which would enable that kind of enforcement in work zones here. In 2006, the state of Illinois became the first to authorize the use of automated traffic enforcement programs to enforce speed limits in highway work zones. So, first, today, I'll speak with Juan Pava, who's the Safety Programs Unit Chief in the Bureau of Safety Programs and Engineering at the Illinois Department of Transportation. And he'll talk about how things have worked and what they've learned along the way since they implemented that 16 years ago. Then later, I'll speak with Lance Binonimi, Vice President of Government Affairs at the Michigan Infrastructure and Transportation Association, about the proposed legislation and some demonstrations of the technology on Michigan roads just last week. First, I'm with Juan Pava, who is the Safety Programs Unit Chief in the Bureau of Safety Programs and Engineering at the Illinois Department of Transportation. Juan, thank you for taking time to do this. I appreciate it.
1: Hey, thank you for having me, Jeff. I'm, I'm really happy to be able to provide any additional insight from our Illinois experience.
0: When it comes to experience, compared to most of the states who have implemented this, uh, Illinois has a lot. So, could you just talk? I guess at the the highest level first, as an overview of of what it means to have automated enforcement for speeding and work zones, and and whether you think it's overall been a success.
1: Yes, not definitely. So, uh, our program dates back to late 2010 to early 2012. So, uh, you know, in 2010. Um, Illinois DOT, in uh, coordination with the uh, University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, uh, we we put together a, a research study to evaluate the effects of uh, speed photo enforcement on operating speeds. Um, the results of that uh, program um, showed that there was a it was it was very uh, there are benefits to be had from having this type of uh, system. So in 2012. Uh, Illinois um, started what we have today as the uh, photo speed enforcement uh, um, in work zones in Illinois. And uh, we believe that we continue to see the the benefits uh, from an operational standpoint. We believe that the the, um, uh, presence of these vans throughout the state uh, do have uh, an effect in uh, behavior of drivers, which is what we're trying to do. We're trying to um mitigate the the potential of speeding through work zones uh that that have uh, shown to be uh deadly not only in Illinois but nationwide so uh, we we believe it is very beneficial
0: so there's no control experiment obviously to compare what it would be like these past couple of years without it um but have you seen in Illinois what we saw in Michigan with um Speed's just shooting up astronomically with the beginning of the pandemic and fewer cars on the road and then, um, you know, not necessarily uh, coming back, although we're doing a little better in 2022, but our crashes and, and deaths are still up from pre-pandemic periods. Is it, is it the same there?
1: It it was pretty similar. So um, we we did see an uptick in the number of fatal crashes that had speeding associated with it uh, in the beginning of the pandemic. Now at the same time, we also kind of pulled back on the deployment of the speed enforcement and all other enforcement uh, throughout the state because um, there were many things happening in early twenty twenty, um, uh, you know, across the nation. Um, so you know it's it's hard for us to make that correlation. Um that being said, uh in previous year prior to you know the pandemic, that the primary uh uh cause for crashes in work zones wasn't necessarily speeding. Uh so you know, I don't wanna I don't I don't think that uh correlation, you know, causation means correlation or whatnot. Um so, uh, you know, I don't want to give all of the full credit to to the speed for enforcement because we have other very valuable programs in Illinois uh, that that target risky behaviors. Uh, but but we believe that um, that there is a benefit to having this program. Um, in In Illinois, our, our fatalities have um, in work zones have have stayed pretty flat throughout. Um, in fact, is one of the few programs in Illinois that we have a, a slight decrease. Um, so, um, you know, we see this speed foot enforcement as one one tool in the tool bag uh, to, to allow us to have a much wider reach of enforcement uh, because uh, resources in enforcement are quite limited.
0: Does, does your research uh, indicate whether it's, you know, word of mouth and people finding out that this is going on in work zones or is it just the presence and people just like seeing a police cruiser? Um, recognizing that a vehicle is set up that does this kind of enforcement and that alone has a deterrent effect?
1: So so it's, yeah, it's both. So, uh, you know, it's both people driving through the works and seeing an additional piece of equipment out there that is clearly marked as speed forward enforcement. Now, let me, let me tell you that we are very open with the public about where the speed forward enforcement is and when it is out there. You know, the van is supposed to be um, easily to be seen by a vehicle driving through because we want to give people the opportunity to slow down through the work zone before they get cited. It's only if they refuse to uh, lower their speed that they will actually get a citation or get a get a hit on that on that vehicle. Um, now in the in the research study they look it looked um, not only at the change in operating speeds due to the presence of the van, but it also looked at uh, something that they call the halo effect. Which was, you know, how how far would that um, the effect of a of a um, speed forward enforcement van being in a location expand in the in the near regions and near work zones, and and they found that they were seeing a uh, significant uh, or noticeable um, speed decrease in uh, adjacent work zones um, even when the speed van was not was not deployed. So. Um, you know, it, people people don't like to get citations, um, and uh, so I believe that uh, this has the opportunity to to help change behaviors.
2: Yeah, I've
0: read about the the halo effect a, a little bit. Um, could you talk a little bit more about that concept and and how it's uh, come to inform you and and people that do what you do and your and your work? Definitely. So, so in
1: Illinois, we typically have uh, five uh, Speed for Enforcement Vans that we rotate throughout the state. Um, and so that helps us do two things. Uh, one, we only target uh, work zones that we truly believe there's a benefit to deploying the Speed for Enforcement van. So for instance, if there is a work zone where there is a uh, recurring congestion, uh, we're not going to deploy a Speed for Enforcement van out there because it would be futile. Um, uh, but but also it allows us to to take uh, advantage of this halo effect uh, while minimizing our our uh, cost on the program um, so this was something that was taken into consideration when determining you know um how many events to have and, and where we deploy them so uh, at the beginning of the year we identify work zones that we uh, ex- where we expect um where we expect there's going to be issues with um with speed, with speeding. And then we coordinate so so we uh we have as much exposure of those minivans to travel in public as possible uh to try to uh get as much benefit from you know for, for our investment. Uh now speaking of investment and cost, and um uh one thing that we made sure that uh was part of our program is that all of the Um, revenue uh, from uh, these speed citations will go back into the back fund for um, enforcement in work zones. Uh, And that is a way to show that, you know, this is truly a a program that is designated and designed for uh, the safety of work zones uh, in Illinois.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think uh, some of the critics of this, obviously, one of the things you hear a lot is the big brother, you know, privacy argument. But the other one is that this whole thing is just a money grab by uh, various government agencies, and uh, and 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 it's not. And what you do with the money, you know demonstrates that it's not. and it also doesn't account for the cost <clears throat> to taxpayers of of work zone crashes. And you know what that does to the cost of projects, not to mention uh, deaths and hospitalizations and the uh, and the real cost of those things.
1: And I did want to mention, Jeff, that uh, you know, for the Big Brother aspect, you know, and privacy, that 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 is uh, something that is very, very important. It's very, it, it's very um, important for the Department of Transportation to take that seriously. And and there are clauses that you can put into a contract to ensure that uh, wh- whoever the vendor is providing the services for the speed forward enforcement is is a responsible um, entity that it is treating that uh, that, that, uh, data, um, are responsibly. Uh, so it, it, that is very important to take into consideration and, and to take it seriously.
0: Do you still hear that? I mean, what kinds of things still come up, you know, um, 10, 12 years into, to doing this in Illinois? Are, are those the kinds of things that you still hear in terms of pushback?
1: Uh we we had uh when legislation was being passed, of course, um, you know, and it, it continues to be a concern of people. However, um in the ten years of um uh service that we've had with our current vendor, we haven't had any any issues of um uh, data breaches or, or or data missing. Uh also um we haven't had uh many issues of uh you know citations being contested uh granted you know many of uh, many citations through going through the process get either you know withdrawn or, or changed because you know we make sure that um all the uh, supporting data is there with the citations uh so so they're actually valid so um you know this is going to be a a point of contention for any type of automated enforcement there is uh but you just have to make sure that um, uh, both the Department of Transportation or whoever the operating uh, office is of this program is uh, uh, keeping um you know making sure that they're they're paying attention to the details of the of the contract to make sure that any issues that may come up are addressed.
0: Well, and I think that ultimately, you just keep reminding people that this is not about issuing citations. It's about getting people to slow down. that's exactly. that's what the that's what the yeah. win is.
1: Yeah, no, definitely, and we have we have made sure that we're very clear that we would be totally and completely happy if there are zero citations coming every month, because that means that people are obeying the speed limit, which is the goal of the program. Uh, Our goal is not revenue. In fact, we are not using any of the revenue of the or any of the expected revenue of the program to pay for the program itself. Uh, we are paying for the, the cost to run the program up front from uh road fund. Uh, and, and, and any reimbursement that would come from the citations is not going to go to pay for the speed photo program It's going to go to pay for officers doing other type of enforcement as well. So uh, within work zones, that's very important.
0: Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Talk about the fine structure and, uh, and and what it costs and and how it's probably stair stepped for repeat offenders.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's not actually like we try we try to change legislation to to make a step uh, you know increase in fines. But currently the way it is in Illinois is that there is an uh, increased fine for speeding in work zone. So if you get a um, um, a fine through the speed photo enforcement. It's just as if a a trooper on or an officer on the side of the road would pull you over for speeding in a work zone. You get cited for that same uh, for for that same um, clause in the in the law. Uh, so it is a two hundred and fifty dollar minimum fine for the first offense. Uh, second offense, I believe, is seven hundred and fifty dollars uh, for speeding in work zone. Um, it, it, Illinois Supreme Court rules that uh, for any citation over $225, I believe, or over $95, actually, you, uh, um, uh, appearance in court is mandatory. Uh, so if you get a citation uh, through the speed for enforcement, it is a at least a $250 uh, dollar fine with mandatory court appearance.
0: Well, as you know, um, whether it's drunk driving or speeding or anything, what seems to get A certain demographics attention, meaning young drivers, it's uh, it's it's cost, you know, it's the fear of paying that big fine. So if Mm -hmm. if that's what it takes, then, you know, then so be it, I guess. Thank you, Juan. Is there anything else you want to say about Illinois and what you guys have learned along the way? Um,
1: well, you know, it, it is uh, it is a program that requires uh, you know a lot of attention in the front end. Uh, you know, making sure that you have a a contract that uh, makes sense for everyone, not only for for the op- uh, uh, operators at the uh, uh, state police and for the Department of Transportation, whoever's administering it. Uh, but once you have a program in place, uh, it, I, I believe that there is a is a very good tool to have in your toolbox to to allow um, to to help us change that behavior, which has has proven to be very difficult. Um, so you know, I'm really happy to see that neighboring states are jumping on the on the bandwagon, and uh, um, and I'm looking forward to increasing the pool of vendors that we have uh, in the Midwest to provide this service because I believe it's a really good one.
0: Yeah, and the technology is is evolving and getting better all the time, and um, you know that that's a good thing too. Yeah, so thank you again, Juan. I appreciate you taking time to talk with us about this, and uh, we'll uh, probably be back in touch. Or you, I know you'll be following closely to see when the Michigan legislation finally gets passed and signed by the governor.
1: Uh, definitely, and I'll, I'll reach out to my counterparts uh, in Michigan and and celebrate
0: with them. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> right, thank you, Jeff. And again, I'll be back for our second segment with Lance Binonimi of the Michigan Infrastructure and Transportation Association, right after this short message. The Michigan Department of Transportation reminds you that when a vehicle collides with another vehicle, person, or other object, it is a crash, not an accident. By reducing human error, we can prevent crashes and rebuild Michigan roads safely. Okay, we're back. And as promised for the second segment, I am with Lance Binonimi, who is the Vice President of Government Affairs at the Michigan Infrastructure and Transportation Association, and the hardest working man in legislative (laughs) affairs in Michigan because he has to spend so much time telling people how to spell his name. So.
2: (laughs) Either that or the title. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that too. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on, Jeff.
0: Sure. So Talk a little bit about, um, I've, I've given kind of an overview of, of what automated speed enforcement and work zones is and what other states have been doing and how it's been successful there. Um, it's kind of been a bit of a slog here in Michigan to get there, but it sounds like we're making progress. Is that your assessment?
2: Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, Michigan just started looking at this probably about 18 months ago, and um, we, uh, through MDOT and uh, the industry uh, and the Work Zone Safety Task Force, we came up with some goals uh, and some ideas and policies that could help uh, reduce speeds and improve safety within our work zones. And we found that um, many other states, up to 15, I believe, um, you know, have some sort of automated camera speed enforcement within work zones and have shown significant success. Uh, in Maryland, they've shown up to 90% reduction in speeds. They have virtually zero repeat offenders, um, and so um, we've been working with the legislature and, and and interested parties like state police, MDOT, and the and the unions to to draft legislation that we hopefully can get across the finish line and on the governor's desk. Um, We were able to get it out of Judiciary Committee, which was a difficult committee, um, and had some of the more conservative members of the the Republican caucus uh, on it. um, And we were able to convince them that this is a a smart thing to do and and will protect lives. Um, And so we're hopeful that the full House can take it up sometime in the near future and and, and convince the Senate to do so as well before we get done with the end of the year.
0: So we had a couple of uh, demonstrations on ongoing road projects, one uh, east of Grand Rapids near I-96 and M-6 last week, and then another one near Flint. And you had lawmakers at, at both of those. Would you say that the comments, the questions and the comments that you heard kind of tracked with what you you said in getting it out of committee, that uh, it's it's opened some people's minds?
2: Yeah, those presentations were incredible. And I think um, standing alongside Ah, uh, semi trailers going, you know, sixty, seventy miles an hour, um, and, and seeing some of the people who are speeding right past a, a group of thirty or forty in, individuals in in fluorescent and reflective um, safety vests um, really opened their eyes. But then seeing the technology and how it worked um, really helped them get an idea of of what this is and and what it entails and. And we're hopeful that the dozen or so lawmakers that attended the last the first two days um, are able to go back and tell their colleagues exactly what they saw and, and how they felt and, and what they think they can do. And and, and I, we hope that that's going to be a very positive influence on getting it done.
0: Just seeing these out there as people, I think what the other states have learned is that as people come to find out what this is and they they start to identify the the technology, you know, that's set up. Um, it has that that effect of uh, the halo effect, I guess, of, of making people slow down, just like when they see a police cruiser. But one question that comes up is, you know, why can't we just have a Michigan State police trooper posted at every work zone um, and talk about why that's difficult?
2: yeah and we have at the association advocated for a police presence on every job site and if you ask any of the mita membership, they will all say that having a police present on presence on a on a work site will slow traffic down significantly but you know unfortunately, we are short of law enforcement agents in the state um, and resources are are not readily available to to have people and a presence out there, um, you know. In addition, we're we're investing a lot of money into these individuals to train them properly and um, and to go out and protect the citizens of the state. And you know, while while this is a, a type of protection, um, certainly, an automatic speed and camera enforcement would be uh, a lot less resources uh, on the state than it would be having a trained trooper out there. I uh, again uh, we promote both and and we just feel that this is a a good way to supplement that that traditional law enforcement.
0: So when you talk about having to win hearts and minds and people, you know, coming around and being willing to take a second look at this, what are the what were the roadblocks I guess and what were the perceptions that you had to overcome? Was it mostly about the the big brother concept and privacy?
2: Yeah, the privacy argument comes up often, Um, and I think that there's also a misconception that this is a big money grab um, and that all we're trying to do is just trying to take money away from the citizens of Michigan. And, you know, in all of our studies that we've seen across the different various states, and I'm sure you've heard from the other states that you've asked, um, these are declining revenues, um, which is the whole intent. Uh, we want less people speeding and less people getting tickets because we want to change driver behavior. And so, you know, that's the other argument that we hear is, oh, they're just the state's just trying to get money out of to the citizens. And um, and that's just not quite true. We're just trying to save some lives and and really change driver behavior.
0: Well, and that argument doesn't begin to account for the cost to all of us uh, for crashes and what it does to construction projects, not to mention Injuries and loss of life, and I mean, the, those costs are astronomical compared to what people might pay out in fines because of this.
2: Absolutely, no question.
0: So, going forward, uh, what do you think uh, you know needs to happen next? If you put, you know, look at your crystal ball, how would you handicap this?
2: Well, the the House um, returns, I think the Senate as well returns back to session for two days in September, um, and we're we're really hopeful that in one of those two days, we can we can get this on the agenda and get it passed through the House. Um, and, and we had some very uh, fruitful conversations with Chairman Barrett uh, in the Senate at one of the demonstrations, and we're hopeful that uh, he will give us a chance over in the Senate if, in fact, the bill gets over to transportation.
0: Well, I think you touched on something earlier that's really uh, really speaks to the importance of this and the momentum that's building, and that's that you've got labor leaders and industry leaders and DOTS and the other road associations, you know, all all on board, and you don't get that for for everything. So, I mean, that has to to spell some some chance of success, right?
2: You you would hope so, and it, you know, it really is because the data is is just the proof is in the pudding. You know, you the, these are, this is a success success story across the across the nation, and um, we're just looking for some help. You know, we keep hearing all these anecdotal evidence of people going 110 miles an hour through a 60 mile an hour speed limit zone, 80 and 90 miles an hour. I think we saw a couple of 80 miles an hour on the M6 project. And it's quite frankly scary. Um, it, it, we need to protect these individuals who are improving our infrastructure across the state. And this is one way to do it.
0: Yeah, we talk a lot about uh, what it would be like. To have cars speeding through our workplaces which you know for you and me means an office and it's just really hard to to put yourself in the shoes of those workers but when we stood out there like you said on m6 and you heard those those trucks rumbling it gave you a feel for what that must be like
2: absolutely and you know what the interesting part about that is when when the semis would go past you could tell those who travel interstate because you heard them a couple hundred yards down after they saw the camera hitting their air brakes um you know because they know that they don't have it in michigan but they they recognize the system um and so i think it's just obvious it's just it's going to slow people down um and, and and hopefully it'll improve the safety of our workers
0: yeah that's a really good point if uh, if you're a long-haul trucker you've seen this in other states so that that, that probably did trigger something in their minds I, I hadn't thought about that thanks lance for taking time to talk about this and uh for all you're doing to advocate for the safety of the workers. Thank you guys. Thank you for listening to this recording from August, 2022. Stay tuned in the following weeks for more conversations about bills related to work zone safety and measures to protect the people doing the work on the roads and some other legislation important to transportation in Michigan. You can find show notes and more on Apple Podcasts or Buzzsprout. I also want to acknowledge the talented people who help make this a reality each week, starting with Randy Debler, who skillfully edits the audio, Jesse Ball, who proofs the content, Courtney Bates, who posts the podcast to various platforms, and Jackie Salinas, who transcribes the audio to make it accessible to all.